0: thanks Stuart kind words my My job when Stewart was there was just to make sure that he stayed happy and uh, bring him coffee and do all those kinds of things it's It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me back, even those of you who don't have a clue who I am but uh i'm I'm thrilled to be here, and I'll be quite honest with you uh I consider it quite a uh, <sighs> quite a thing to not just stand up here and, and preach some kind of message to you, but actually to try to say what I think God might want me to say this morning, and uh, probably one of my greatest fear in preaching is that I won't clearly deliver the message He wants me to, so I just trust this morning that... God will speak to you uh, even beyond any kind of words that I say. Because, you know, as Goodwin was saying this morning, talking about uh, just trusting him, just trusting Jesus, trusting Jesus. I think this morning about a a story that a colleague of mine named Matt told. Matt is Canadian, and uh, Matt had a grandfather who, uh, his grandparents had this this family farm. And when his grandfather died, they gave the farm to the three children. And one of the children was Matt's father. And Matt's uncle actually lived on the farm, but any of the family members could go to the farm anytime they wanted to go just to get away. So Matt and his family left Atlanta, where I live, and they went up to spend a week at the farm family farm up in Canada. And Matt said that uh, the first night they were there, they were he and his wife and uh, his uncle and some of the other cousins were watching the, the evening news. And they were watching what was going on in America and what Trump was saying and how that was affecting the world. And then they turned off the news. And Canada and America have a little bit of an unusual relationship uh, that uh, there's, there's a little bit of a rivalry in there that the Canadians sometimes feel like the Americans are trying to push their way on. And so they had this lively discussion about uh, international Politics, And then the next morning, Matt said he got up and he went out into the barn, and his role that morning was to stack the wood for the winter. So he was, before he went out to stack the wood for the winter, he said, I had to make a couple of phone calls. He said, I I did a FaceTime chat with somebody in South Africa. And then he said, I did a call with somebody else in Singapore. And then I had a discussion, an email or some kind of discussion with somebody in another part of the world. And then he said, I went out and stacked wood. And he said, while I was stacking wood, I was thinking about the previous night, about our discussion about Trump. And then I was thinking about how I had been talking to somebody in South Africa and somebody in Singapore. And and he said, actually, I was beginning to feel kind of important about how, how involved he was in international affairs. So he said, I was stacking the wood and I was feeling important. And all of a sudden, he said, I heard my aunt yell out. She said, everybody, quick, quick, everybody out here, the cow just got out of the fence. Everybody come, the cow just got out of the fence. And Matt said, everybody stopped exactly what they were doing and everybody took off to try to find the cow, to get the cow back in the fence. And he said, at that point, international politics didn't matter. His Skypes to South Africa didn't matter. What mattered at that point more than anything else was one thing. Getting that cow back inside the fence. Only one thing mattered. Only one thing mattered. Getting the cow inside the fence. There's a there's a movie about these uh, three guys from New York who go to a dude ranch. A dude ranch is a, is, a, is, a, is a ranch with cows and horses, and they've transformed it so that city boys can go and spend a week there and act like cowboys. And they can just kind of get their stuff, uh, try to work through their stuff. And this movie is about these three city guys who go to this dude ranch, and there's this old cowboy named Curly. And Curly's just this rough, tough, old cowboy with a lot of experience. And there's a scene in the movie where one of the young men was riding along with Curly. And they were side by side on the horses. And Curly looks at this young man and he said, you know the problem with you men? He said, you spend your whole year getting your rope tied up in knots. And then you come out here for one week and you try to get them untied. And Curly said, you know what matters? This young man, he said, you know what matters? And the young guy says, no, Curly. What, what matters? Curly held up one finger. The guy said, your finger? No. One thing. That's what matters. One thing. And the young guy looked at Curly, and he said, well, Curly, what is that one thing? And Curly said, That's what you have to figure out. But once you figure that out, nothing else matters. One thing. To Matt, only one thing mattered that morning. Getting that cow back inside the fence. The secret of life. One thing. And as I look through the scriptures, I see that there are a number of men and women in the scriptures who are people of one thing, one thing. Psalm 27, verse 4, David said this. One thing. Remember the verse, one thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Now, David, as we all know, David messed up. David, David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba. David had Uriah murdered. David messed up. But remember what happened after David messed up and he was confronted by Nathan? Remember what he said in Psalm 51? He said, Against you and you alone, O God, have I sinned. One thing mattered to David. God. One thing I ask from the Lord. One thing I ask from the Lord. What if if that was our one thing? One thing. Oh, God, one thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in your presence all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in your temple. One thing. David's cow was his intimate communion with the Lord. That was David's cow to keep inside the fence. Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42. Mary, the sister of Martha, sister of Lazarus. You remember when, you know the story, Jesus went to the home of Lazarus and uh, Martha was busy, 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 busy trying to get things ready for Jesus and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they had to eat, right? Didn't have to, but they were gonna eat and she was so busy. But the Bible says, but the, uh, and, she, and she went to uh, Martha. Martha went to, to Jesus. And she said, she said Jesus, I, I'm trying to get lunch ready. I'm trying to get things ready. The house is a mess. Chicken's in the oven. Da, 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 da. And here's Mary. Look, Mary is just sitting there at your feet doing Nothing. Look at me. I am working so hard for you, Jesus. I am trying to get things ready for you, Jesus. I'm trying to take care of you, Jesus. I'm trying to take care of your disciples, Jesus. And there's my sister Mary just sitting at your feet doing nothing. Come on, Jesus. Help me out here. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Huh. You ever get anxious and troubled about many things? Oh, my days. Mercy. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary mary has chosen the good portion i'm not going to take that away from her mary's cow was to sit at the feet of jesus and just adore him just adore him that was her cow to keep in the fence the apostle paul philippians chapter 3 13 and 14 Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Remember this? Remember what Paul said? One thing I do. Remember what that was? What did he say? One thing I do. What is that? He said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's many things going on. I've got the church over here. I've got over here the church of Corinth. They're a mess. Uh, uh, Ephesus, they're doing good. But in 30 years, they're going to be a mess too. And the angel's going to talk to them and tell And I, I, I'm, I'm having shipwrecks. I'm doing all this kind of stuff. And life is a mess. And it's I'm so busy. But here's my towel. I press on to take hold of that. For which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I believe he was very likely referring to Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I was down here a few years ago with this abide talking about abiding what is the one thing what is your one thing what is your one thing Deuteronomy 6 4 and 5 says this Hear, O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one you shall what love the Lord with what all your heart with all your soul and with all your strengths one thing Mark 12, 28 through 30, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus, you've done a lot of teaching. Jesus, you've told us a ton of things. Jesus, can you kind of break it down for us? Jesus, of all the commandments that were given to us, Moses and all the, Jesus, it's complicated, Lord. Can you simplify it? And Jesus said this, the most important one is this, you shall what? You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. what is your cow? What is your cow? My cow is is worship. I was sitting on a hill in Rosarito, Mexico, and the Lord confirmed what he's been telling me for a long, long time, and the Lord told me this. I said, God, what is, what is it that you want from me more than anything else? I'd been praying for 30 minutes or so, sitting in this old broken-down chair in this old hot dusty place in rosarito mexico overlooking this valley and i'm sitting there and i'm ending up my prayer and i said god what what really matters lord what what is the one thing and the lord confirmed what he told me for so long and he said as you worship me i will work in and through you i promise that's my cow that's my cow to keep inside the fence and when I get confused and I get upended and this morning when I walked in the woods, I got lost and headed up the wrong trail and ended up at somebody's house and we had breakfast. No, I didn't do all that kind of But I'm sitting down and, I, and I'm just saying, God, I'm just going to worship you this morning. And you promised that as I worship you, you'll work in and through me. That's the That's my cow. That's my true north. There's a book, First Things First, by a guy named Stephen Covey, who is, has now died. But, but Stephen Covey, he says, uh, and this really helped me. There's this, finish, this, finish this sentence, I exist too. Why are you here? Why did God put you on planet Earth? What's your purpose? Why are you here? Well, I'm here to love Jesus. Yeah, but what, what is your cow? What is, the, what is the one specific purpose that God's got you here on the earth? What is the one thing that if you did well and consistently would it be absolutely life-changing for you? Is there anything? What, what is... You know, what you and I want on this earth that, that's really not what matters. America, the American church is, I don't know about the Australian church, but the American church is kind of messed up. In, in the Constitution of the United States of America, which was adopted on July 4, 1776, the third paragraph says, that we as Americans have these inalienable rights. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And somehow, I believe the church in America has kind of gotten messed up and thought that's their constitution as well. Because I see so many Christians in America, which is so frustrating for me, that they believe that it's their right to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and you know, in essence, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but, you know what? As believers, as followers of Jesus, I'm not talking about if we've just prayed a prayer or if we've just drank the juice. or if we, But, but if, we, if we said, God, I am a follower of yours now. Father, I am, I am crucified with Christ. I am dead in Christ. God, I have no more right. We don't have a bill of rights. As believers in the United States, we have a Bill of Rights. It's your right to do this. It's your right to do that. You have a right for this. You have a right. You know what we have rights to as believers and followers of Christ? Nothing. If you honestly and truly have the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you have given your life to Christ, you no longer have any rights. My 18-year-old grandson was baptized a couple Sundays ago, and before he was baptized, I, I, I talked to him, and I said, Nicholas, you understand. When you get baptized, what you're saying is when they put you under that water, that means symbolically, that's symbolically that you have died. You have been buried, and Nicholas, you no longer have any rights. You have given all your rights to God. You've given all your rights to Jesus. You've given it up. You've been crucified. You've... The Bible says that we died on a cross with Jesus. And the one thing, as followers of Jesus, and quite honestly, I don't much care to be called a Christian anymore. Because that term has gotten so watered down. And is so adulterated. And in America... There's so-called Christians who go to these evangelical, well-known Christian churches in my town. And then during the week, they're doing all kinds of things to just totally displease Jesus. Because they've got the right to do that. <laughs> we don't have any rights anymore. Only one has the right in our life, and that's Jesus. Jesus. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Here's the liberty. It's the liberty of Christ. We don't have the liberty to sin. We don't have the liberty to say, you know what, I don't want to do that. You know what, it doesn't matter what you want to do. What matters is what Jesus wants you to do. Yeah, but I don't really believe that. (laughs) And once we get that figured out, It won't make it easier. Well, in some ways it will, but it'll sure sort out a lot of life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. My little 14-year-old granddaughter, we're going through a bit of a time with her, and my wife was talking to her, and she said, Grandmama, I just want to be happy. If I do this, it makes me happy. If I go to this place, it'll make me happy. If I go out with this person, it'll make me happy. If I buy this, it's going to make me happy. If I do this, it's going to make me happy. And we've gotten confused. We've gotten happiness. Well, doesn't God want me happy? Well, God wants us joyful. But here's what God wants for you and me. Not so much for us to be happy, but to be holy. Because this life is just, we're going to live forever if we know Christ is Savior. And what we do in this life now, I believe the Scripture teaches, will make a difference in our forever with Jesus then. Well, God wants me happy. No, God wants you holy. And I tell you what, this... (laughs) bill of goods that's been sold to the church that if at least in america if you follow jesus everything's just going to be great and you're going to be happy well tell it to a couple of my friends who were killed tell it to some of our om colleagues who were killed tell it to some of the chinese church who today as we sit here are being beaten and tortured god wants a holy one thing matters only one thing matters What is that one thing in your life? What's your cow? You know, you, know, you understand what I'm saying about the cow. You know, the, what, what is that? What is that one thing, the most important thing in your life? What is it that God has said to you? Listen, focus on this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Make sure you get this one right. What is that cow in your life? Do you have that cow inside your fence or is, the cow, is your cow outside of your fence? Maybe some of us this morning have cows. We need to get back inside our fence. I'm just blown away by the life of Solomon. Solomon. the wisest, one of the wisest guys in the Bible, started out so well, Lord, just give me wisdom, and look how he ended up, broken, deceived, frustrated, we read Ecclesiastes, 1 Kings 11, 1 Kings 10. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his mind. Solomon had his cow securely in the fence. His cow was seeking God above all things, that wisdom of God. Solomon had the cow in the fence, and things were going good. One chapter later, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Solomon let his cow out of the fence. The fence broke down. He loved many foreign women. And he began to worship other gods. His cow got way, way out of the fence. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says this. Let me back up a little. Listen to this, 1 Kings eleven nine. 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon. Well, doesn't, doesn't the Lord love us? Yes, the Lord loves us. But the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him Twice the Lord was angry at Solomon. I recently was struck by a verse in Revelation about God's anger. We talk about God's love, but you know what? God does get angry. God loves us with an everlasting love, but God gets angry at sin. And the Bible says, for those who will worship the beast, and I'm not saying that's any of us, but this this is the strongest language I've ever, ever read in the Bible about the anger of God. It says, those who worship the beast, if I remember this correctly, it says, they will drink the fullness of the wrath of God they will drink of the wrath of God poured full strength into the cup of his anger. That gives me chills whenever I think about that. They will drink of the wrath of God poured full strength into the cup of his anger. My friends, we must not trifle with God or with sin. We must not trifle with God or with sin. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. For whatever a man sows, so also well shall he reap. To the man who sows to the flesh, he will reap corruption. For the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. Well, We have communion this morning. I'm not going to belabor this. But let me ask you. What is your cow? And is it inside your fence? To the church in Ephesus. My my favorite Pauline letter is the letter to the Ephesians. Oh, it's a beautiful. You know it. You know it. And Paul speaks glorious things to them. But in 30 years later, the church in Ephesus was a wreck because their cow had gotten out of the fence. 35 years, okay, well. So that's what matters. That's what matters. That's your cow. Is it inside the fence? Or has your cow gotten out of the fence? If it has, then drop everything you're doing and make sure you catch a cow back in the fence. What is that one thing for you? And I know it's to love the Lord our God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. But is there, is there something, and I'll close with this, is there something that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know God has spoken to you about? Scripturally, lovingly, And you said, That's what matters. Is it inside your fence? If it's not, what you got to do to get it back inside the fence? Let's pray, Lord. Oh Jesus. Would you remind us, Lord, that this life is not about us. It's not what I want. It's not what gonna make me happy. It's about one thing. Jesus. Jesus. And all that matters, when it's all been said and done, all that matters is what you want, Jesus. Not what we want. Not what's going to make us happy. Not our dreams, our goals, our aspirations. It's Jesus. Father, if you have spoken to some of your children here and they know that one thing and their cows gotten out of the fence would you show them lord how to get it back and enable us lord jesus to focus on that one thing that one thing amen